Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 38th episode of The Manor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, how was your weekend? You know, just a typical weekend for you? Nothing extraordinary <laughs> going on? It was pretty cool. We had a, a calling local to us, which was great. I love home callings, big tournaments that aren't very far. I did pretty well on it, so I'd say it was a pretty good weekend. I did pretty good in uh, Tales of Aria Sealed on Sunday. You know, I had a pretty good sealed pool. You know, I, it was like normally you're supposed to play Briar in Tales of Aria Sealed, but I actually was able to play Lexi to a winning record. So I think that was a pretty good accomplishment. <laughs> that is a pretty big win. Uh, what were your losses to? Briar and Briar. Next. Makes sense. Briar's pretty good in uh, Tales of Aria Sealed. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. You know, next time you're playing Flesh and Blood, always remember, mind your manners. Wait, what? <laughs> We're done? That's it? <laughs> well, we hit no, a thousand we... subscribers. We can't just end like that. Oh, we did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Are we going to do anything cool for that? Yeah, we are, right? We're doing, uh, we're going to interview each other and have a lot of cool questions and talk about, get to know each other. What? the audience kind of get to know each other and we're doing a giveaway too right yeah we're gonna give away the infamous or maybe not infamous, infamous. but but famous mnr sleeves that the champ michael hamilton uses on stream and if you use them on stream unless your name is roger Bodie, you're guaranteed to win <laughs> so or these are pretty valuable sleeves that we're going to be giving away and we'll link uh, just a Google form in the comments or the description, probably the description. So this way people who are listening on the audio only version could also uh, get access to the form without having to migrate over to YouTube. And yeah, we'll just pick, I, I think like three or four winners to send out a box of MNR sleeves to, and you can rock them, use them however you want. So good times. Any other updates that you want to go over, though, Michael? Um, I guess the last thing is for Manor University. We release the videos once a week, usually. This weekend was crazy, and we didn't have a good time to record. Hanging out with a lot of people, big tournament going on. Um, so sick next cats. week, sick cats. Yeah, she's doing a lot better today, though. She That's was good. not. She was not doing well yesterday, though. We had to take her to the vet. And I know there's a lot some, of misty fans out there. So yeah, she got some anti-nausea medicine and she's got a, some blood taken for some tests and we're going to get those results probably tomorrow. So hopefully Misty's all right. She seems a lot better. She was pestering me for food before we started recording. So that's a good sign. Yeah, that's always a good sign. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so Manor University, uh, we missed this week. We'll have two episodes next week. One will be, of course, for our patrons only, but it'll also be one free YouTube one for everyone to watch. So yeah. Yeah, so if anybody out there has any good recommendations, I think our patrons are getting sick of Icelander games. We cover a lot of Icelander games, so maybe we'll pick not an Icelander <laughs> game to cover for once. I like Icelander. I hadn't noticed. <laughs> I'm sad that she's like getting so close to Living Legend. Like, Stop winning. Someone, someone <laughs> keeps getting her all these points, and soon she's going to be gone. Just scoop and the we finals. just got Icelander. We just got her. Just get to the finals and be like, you know, and I value Icelander more than I value a million trillion billion dollars that you win all the time, and just and just scoop. We'll call it a day, and Icelander will be around forever because nobody else can apparently ever like win tournaments with her. She she did really well in ProQuest season. I didn't win any ProQuest with her. I got to one finals and I scooped, and well, there she you still go. Got a bunch of points, saving living legend points right there. Yeah, like two points, something. Remember when Prism was at like nine ninety eight or whatever? 
Uh, those two points matter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Is that all the uh, amazing channel updates that we have before we get into these hard-hitting interview, get-to-know-each-other, the real Michael Hamilton and some version of Roger Bode on we're, the Manor we're podcast? Not, we're not going to get the real Roger Bode. Does he really exist? Probably. <laughs> I hope so. I guess That'd we'll be have concerning. to see you got to leave some intrigue, Michael. This is how you get okay. him to stick around, you know. I, I see. Okay. Well, I have no more updates before we get into interview questions. Okay. Do you want to start the interview or do you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll start. I'll start. So um, you've kind of talked about your love of competitive games and games that you can win. Why? What specifically draws you to competitive games? So I just have this thing in my life where I always want to feel like I'm improving or making like progress whatever that means in some capacity to me at the time uh there's no like objectively correct answer that i feel like everybody should strive for uh but as far as like myself personally i just want to feel like i'm learning something i'm improving a skill i am collecting uh friendships or assets or relationships or just knowledge that will help me do better in the future make myself a better version uh today than I was yesterday. And I think competitions and games just give you a, a, just a really good measuring stick to see that either you're winning more games or you're losing more games based on like what your decisions are. And in the long run, you can't just take it like one game at a time and be like, well, I lost like two games today. I'm obviously a worse flesh and blood player or whatever. <laughs> but uh, just like in that long span of like, whether you're, you know, making better decisions that you should see those results translate to gameplay. And that's just kind of just how I structure my whole life, you know, around everything. I just kind of break things into like six month chunks. And I'm like, well, in six months, I want to have passed the LSAT and be applied to law school. And then six months from now, I want to be starting law school and have the Manor podcast be at, you know, a million subscribers. And a million? Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. And, <laughs> and have one, you know, at least three more callings to put me on tied with you, you know? And, you know, really realistic goals, you know, make sure they're achievable. And that's just kind of how I, uh, you know, have lived my life for the past like six, seven years now. And it's worked out pretty good so far, I would say. Makes sense. Yeah. You, you break your life into six month chunks. Usually, because I think it's harder to plan like definitively in chunks of a year or longer than that, because if there's anything I've learned since uh, I moved to Indianapolis or especially post COVID, a lot can change in a very short amount of time. So yeah. I think it's silly when people ask questions like, where do you see yourself in five years? It's like fucking five years ago. I wasn't even living in <laughs> Indianapolis. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have a child. I didn't have a podcast. I wasn't playing flesh and blood, you know, like flesh and blood wasn't really a thing. It didn't exist. Ago, right. It like, when it started in New Zealand like four years ago or when it became yeah, public? I think like callings yeah, 2019. Yeah, 20, oh, yeah, I think Maybe. 2019, 2018. I think it was like right before COVID. Things were like really ramping up and then, you know, COVID hit and somehow the game was just so good, it found, found a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen five years from now. There could be super mega ultra COVID. There could be, uh, you know, world peace achieved. There could be the sun exploding. You know, I, I don't know. Ma- Maybe we're still playing Flesh and Blood, but it's got like the what? What was the thing you're talking you were talking about over the weekend, where like the animations with the, all the attacks come up? 
Oh yeah. So like the augmented reality of yeah. version of it. Yeah. So like like on the streams, it's like you play like your winners, uh, you swing your winner's whale, and then like the the camera Can't recognizes that, that you know the winner's whale was being swung, and then there there'd be a big frost hammer come across the stream, and then there'd be like you play your you know buzz bolt and then a big like lightning arrow comes at the screen and it goes bzz, bzz, bzz. it was just making you know make it more we'll work on it you know we'll, we'll contact yeah. some people who know some people who know some people one day hopefully i don't know if i'm going to put that on a six-month goal because that's pretty ambitious but it's just a it's just a idea i have you know? yeah five years though five years that could definitely be a thing yeah but like in two years the sun could explode so i mean i hope not you know We'll have to check in at whatever six months interval time that is you know, for. I guess, uh, do you want me to go through all of my questions and talk about you for a while and then switch over? Is that a good structure? No, no, no. I'm not interesting or, enough. Or, we'll go back and forth. We're going back and forth. Okay. Okay. So what do you value most about our friendship, Michael? I think a big part of why we got close as friends was you always put a lot of effort into like scheduling hangouts checking in making sure or seeing if i was up for doing things you put a lot of effort into becoming my friend and i think i just really appreciate that because it's like not something i've ever experienced in a relationship like someone cool like actively seeking out a friendship or relationship with me just like consistently messaging checking in trying to schedule doing things and i i really value that a lot because i am not always proactive about things i get i very easily get distracted i'm like doing other things and then i get a message from you like hey how's it going you want to hang out i'm gonna be in indianapolis or you call me you're like hey i'm in indianapolis you wanna hang out? And, hey i got this new game uh, of flesh and blood box you want to yeah, hang out <laughs> yeah and i guess i just really that was something that i really just appreciated and still do that you're so proactive about setting things up and i think I don't think we would be nearly as close if you weren't always doing that or doing that so frequently. And yeah, I guess, I guess that's my answer. That's There's good. a lot of other cool things that I appreciate about you, but that's the one that like stands out the most is like, why, why we're as good of friends as we are. I think that makes sense. It's something I've always pretty consciously put effort into like all my friendships, like even with like Ben and Wesley or just anybody in my past, like I'll even, I'll just try to like, message them every few months just be like hey you want to talk do you want to you know to get like like how's life going is there anything you'd like going on that's important or you're struggling with uh, not that i can always offer like the most amount of help for anything and i don't like the question like or what people say when you think people are going through like hard times like well let me know if i can do anything and it's like anything let me know if you could do anything for me okay will you please go rob a bank and give me all the money thank you that's that counts as anything right so I don't like generic platitudes like that, but I think it shows when people actually do put in the effort or, you know, I've had a lot of friendships in my life where I will put in that effort and then people are just like, yeah, whatever. And then they don't want to hang out with me or they're just like, yeah, I'm busy that weekend. Like, sorry. And then I check in like two weeks later and they're like, yeah, I'm also still busy that weekend. It's like, okay, well, I guess I'll just uh, stop. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I Thank you for always agreeing to hang out with me. You know, that that, that went a long way. <laughs> yeah, I 
don't know if I always agreed to, but when I did it, I would be like, okay, he, he initiated something. I feel like I need to return. It's, it's the ball's in my court now. So I'd try to set something up or like suggest an alternative if I actually couldn't need something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thanks. I feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside now. I'm glad that's, that's good. <laughs> you don't look warm. You just look at like your stone face and then you laugh. But no, no, I'm warm. I'm warm and fuzzy. <laughs> nice hoodie. Okay, so I kind of have a few questions about gaming stuff that isn't necessarily flesh and blood related. So I'm going to fire off another game. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. Okay, so outside of competitive games, I feel like I have noticed that you really enjoy RPGs and maybe team building games like Fire Emblem and the Persona games. And uh, what's the game? Uh, it's not the Persona game. It's the off Persona or the one that... Shimagami Tensei? That one. Yeah, that's like Pokemon. Pokemon yeah, persona. it's just yeah, it's a, a Pokemon with <laughs> big booby demons, you know. <laughs> so um these are I feel like these are all like like it seems like your type of game of single player game is these like strategy RPGs. And I don't think I've seen you playing a lot of single player games outside of them. What draws you to these kind of games? So I would say it's just mostly carried by I don't there's a non-zero amount of nostalgia, that's for sure. So those are just the games I played a lot growing up. Uh, it was basically split between some kind of JRPG at the time or The Legend of Zelda. And that's just because I didn't have uh, a GameCube or I had a GameCube. I didn't have a PlayStation or Xbox or anything like that. I was just always just mostly a Nintendo person, Game Boy Advance. That's why I have the Game Boy Advance SP phone. You know, <laughs> Was that Austin as your picture on there? Yeah, it turns out I, I love my son. Aww. Spoilers, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah so i there that was a very heavy especially the game boy advance there's just so many banger rpgs and strategy basically that's where the original fire Emblem game came out advanced wars i'm excited for that advanced wars one and two remake to come out uh i played that war groove game for a little while we played that in on our trip to france for a little bit you beat me up with your i don't know it was like the dragon thing i don't remember it was some big thing that just like murdered me yeah 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 um, and then you know final fantasy tactics is just like i just like all those grid based like uh games just really hooked me and the jrpgs you just play them because like they're just usually i don't like feeling like stressed or like pressed for a lot of time in games because at that point it becomes more of like just like what's your reaction speed or like can you anticipate like in real time more so what's happening and there's definitely value to that it's just not what i personally enjoy out of a game i like just really like planning and thinking like okay well i know that this person needs to be this dedicated role in my team and i need this role in my team and we need to manage our resources so like and then you just like it's just like then you do a bunch of math and i don't know just geeky stuff and then yeah. tied into my also like of like anime at that point. So I was just a huge weeb for a huge long time. And uh, that still just carries over to this day, I guess. That makes sense. And what, what you were describing kind of like, I feel like is probably why we both turned to card games as a competitive outlet over like fighting games like Street Fighter, which I know you also enjoy, but you haven't. I did when I was it. young. Not anymore. You not my old it. man <laughs> hands. <laughs> mm-hmm. I played Smash for a while too, which was similar, but I don't think it, it's it's very fun. But I don't think I could like invest nearly as much. Uh, I don't think I'd be as good as Smash at least because 
I don't think I don't feel like I have old man hands, but it's just you're not 30 yet. You'll get you'll get there. (laughs) You'll join me one of these days. Mm -hmm. So I guess we're keeping on the topic of other games, though, in current Pokemon Puzzle League meta, would you put Blaine, Team Rocket or Lorelai in S tier? Oh, gosh, I feel like you just like just laid out the S tier right there. I feel like those are probably the three best here. Best. Actually, I said here. Trainers. Three best trainers. Yes. Yeah. Um, There's some other good ones, but. I think those might be the those might be the best three. Who, who's an SS tier then? Who's the best out of the three? Oh gosh, it's it's hard to choose. I think maybe the meta just shifts because you play the same one too often. They just like start falling down because they get less like it doesn't stand out as much. They're just like yeah, but when, when you're, you're hot, you're hot. hot. The eighteenth <laughs> when you're hot, you're hot. It doesn't hit the same way as the first one after not playing the game for a while and playing some other characters. I don't, I still love it every every time he says it. I'm like, yes, that is. It's like the most truest statement. It's like the wisest words anyone has ever said in life is when you're hot, you're hot. <laughs> that is that is true. It would be interesting to try to make that Pokemon Puzzle League tier list and have all of the different trainers. Maybe for rated. a two K subscriber special, we'll do a Pokemon Puzzle League episode our listeners would yeah. love it i'm sure i'm i'm sure i'm sure as like one percent of our audience knows what we're talking about and then <laughs> that one percent is like what are they even talking about the, the characters don't do anything different they just have different voice lines the, the gameplay is exactly the same yeah but the, the the voice lines are what are what's important in the tier and also with the pokemon how annoying the pokemon noise is like for throwing off your po- opponent that's why i almost put giovanni on those little too because persians <laughs> it's just you know, always this is like the most annoying sound in the game but yeah no i don't think giovanni himself has very many good lines though it's just the persian no it's just the world will be mine it's like okay giovanni okay, okay buddy yeah uh-huh. <laughs> calm down have your have your team rocket members win one trainer battle before you start talking about taking over the world you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay, last last question on the gaming stuff that the outside of gaming stuff. Uh, Go. You've talked about Go a lot at times in your life. Why? What do you like about it, and why don't you play it more? Uh, so it also falls into my weeb love Asian Japanese culture a lot. I watched Hikaru no Go, an anime uh, slash manga. Uh, fun fact about that: it's from the same creators that did that went on to do Death Note. So. You know, Death Note and Hikaru no Go, same people. And uh, I just was like, this game seems cool. And I've never been the biggest fan of chess. Like, it's fine. It's just, I, I don't, the board seems so small and self-contained to me for some reason. Like, it's a very deep game. Uh, but, like, it just doesn't pique my interest in the same way. But Go, like, when you're first starting out or, like, learning things, it's just like, wait, you mean there's, like, 19 by 19 possible points on this board and i could put a stone anywhere anywhere that's like so many places to put it and like in go like you have to prioritize things like it's a lot more like uh there's a lot more give and take in go because in chess is just like i have tempo or i have advantage based on board position and like i don't really have to give anything up as long as i play well i can just maintain this advantage and just carry it forward to a win because you made a mistake on you know the sixth move of the game and because of that like as long as i play really well and i don't make any more mistakes for this game i should just win this game and in go there's a lot more well like i'm gonna take this little area of the board that's gonna be worth like five points i'm gonna give you this this little area of the board that's worth like three points 
And then you just do that, like, and you try to do that. And your opponent's like, well, no, I'm going to fight you for this. And then you kind of have to have, like, when you learn, like, higher level go, it's a lot more like having a conversation or, like, negotiations with a person. And somebody eventually just has to draw a line and say, like, no, this negotiation is, like, not what I want anymore. I will lose the game if I follow through with this. And I think that's the most interesting part about Go is like once you like get into like really high level parts of it, you just kind of learn to like, like, like when we're playing, sometimes you'll just make a move and I'll just completely ignore it. Right. Cause I'm just like, that's fine. That move just is not relevant to anything that's going on or like not the most important move on the, on the board right now. I'm just going to play over here. Mm-hmm. And when you learn with like AI and stuff like that, I'll, like, we'll both like, if you look at the game at the end of the game, it'll just, it'll just be like screaming, like play play up here you dum-dums this is like the most important spot on the whole board right don't you see this This is like a six point play and you're just taking all these two point plays you guys are so dumb don't you see this and it just like screams at this one little area on the board for like 10 moves in a row and then somebody plays in the board from the game and the robot's just like thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh the ai just like sees all 19x 19 moves what is that like a lot a lot <laughs> I don't know what that is it's just like this one is worth the most points it just supercomputer does all the math easy yep. if only there was a flesh and blood supercomputer you know and then mm-hmm. it might be able to give you a run for your money <laughs> i guess with that though what is your least favorite aspect of flesh and blood we always talk about all the the great things about it but like the game itself not like the that like the not anything surrounding not it just like it, but the actual mechanics heroes the fundamentals of the game what is like what is the least favorite aspect of it hmm that's a really tough question so i really like all the hero design even like the weaker heroes i think they have like pretty cool design and like they're just not, the numbers are a little bit off like all the heroes feel like what they're what they should feel like like and nin- the ninjas feel like ninjas they're like attacking lots of small times i really like that i really like setting up second cycle and things going to the discard pile when you block or attack with them and that kind of like makes gives you weird choices of like using your reds as resources to get them to the second cycle in certain matchups and i think that's really cool i guess the thing i like the least is probably how uninteractive aggro mirrors feel because when you are playing phi and your opponent's playing phi you look at your hand you're like yep this does 18 damage if i attack with it it does less reasonably less if i use any of these cards to block and you're then they're like attack and you're like okay no blocks and then you do that you go to 50 or 25 life or something then you attack them they go to 20 life and then they attack you you go to like 10 life and then you attack them and they go to like two life and they attack you and then you have to block because you're gonna die and i think there's like generally a couple turns near the end of the game where it's like somewhat interesting that you have to like try to maximize your hand but that part of the game feels so much shorter than that part of the game is so short compared to like how much how many interesting decisions you make when you're playing like Fi against icelander where you're like trying to figure out how to play around all the disruption and on the icelander side you're like okay can i risk giving Fi a five card hand here to just do damage what can i do to like make sure that i don't just get run over and die how do i disrupt the things and Playing like aggro decks into these slower decks with disruption is always, in my opinion, really engaging because you have to think about how to play around all the disruption, how to get your maximum value out of your hand. When you're playing aggro decks against Oldheim, you're trying to do that. And also like, you're like, what if I run out of threats? I need to make sure I don't run out of threats in my deck because then I just die. Not mm-hmm. like the hard fatigue Oldheims, but like the more mid-rangey Oldheims that block a reasonable amount and swung 
wail a lot cough cough (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah so i think aggro mirrors are my least favorite part of the game i don't know what can be done about that and for a while i was like if the the aggro decks just have more on hits that fixes things but that doesn't really work anymore because all the aggro decks have fridges that they can just use to block the on hits that actually matter so like another deck is aggro decks but yeah yeah unless you're sorry lexi (laughs) unless you're unless your aggro deck is almost all on hits which doesn't isn't really a thing you can do because go against usually don't have on hits built in because that doesn't really i don't know it'd be really weird to make that work and still be attacks that are at good rates mm-hmm. so no that makes a lot of sense i would say suck. <laughs> like what about cards like blazing your eye then like you could dedicate like more equipment slots to like help you you know get some edges in the aggro mirrors do you like card design like that then to try to make more interesting decisions or like do you think there should be like tech cards for aggro mirrors to help you maybe draw out the game a little bit longer so it's not just you know swing 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 where at low life grind someone dies i'm not really sure because like as many problems as briar has caused i feel like briar is the aggro deck that blocks the most because she's so good at blocking because She's like, yeah, I'm an aggro deck, but also my non-attacks blues randomly just block for four. They used to block for like seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, I think, I don't I don't know how they fix Briar design while still encouraging aggro decks to block more. Because I think like Briar's design was pretty problematic. Like the fact that none of her things actually care about the type of card she's playing. So she ends up playing like a million generics and she's just like, I'm playing all generics and then 15 earth cards for channel not heroic or something yeah i think a pretty simple maybe not simple but like i wonder why they didn't make it so like the second lightning card you play gives you the embodiment of lightning and then whatever your attack hits like your earth cards block for what more because there's already like a good amount of earth cards that can you know also go up to that four block point i guess it's just channel not heroic and autumn's touch right so maybe but like i feel like that would kind of put her on like the same hero design level as old time and lexi because they both specifically care about their talents in their hero ability lines and briar has like the words lightning and earth in her hero design abilities but they don't actually care about the elements themselves so i don't know yeah that, that's that's a very good point they say embodiments of earth embodiment of lightning but they have nothing to do with those elements really. yeah they or, could say embodiment of smoogle smorf and embodiment of flaggle floor but they'd be the exact same you know relevance to <laughs> elements yeah yeah okay what's up next then michael <laughs> okay. um how would your life be different if you hadn't found flesh and blood about a year and a half ago uh pretty dramatically at this point right i probably wouldn't be talking to you on a podcast we'd probably just be just still playing pokemon puzzle league or whatever magic sealed or we'd probably play like arena maybe eventually would have hooked us back or something like that i couldn't imagine us like just not playing any card games anymore but i also don't think we'd be like as passionate about any other card game I guess maybe the Digimon card game, Secretly Sweet, or the One Piece card game is what we're really looking for if it wasn't for Flesh and Blood. But I don't know enough about those. And I guess at the end of the day, I don't care enough about like their underlying IPs or like design at the moment to care about them. Like if you like them, I'm, I'm happy for you. 
like, but they're just not interesting to me. And I don't think they'd be interesting to Michael either all that much. And yeah, I think we would just lead a lot simpler, more day-to-day lives where we would just kind of just play video games and hang out and maybe play some Go, kind of like what we used to do in the intermediary times before we found Flesh and Blood. We would just kind of like hang out, play some games or whatever for a while, uh, maybe get a bigger group of players together to play like some group games, maybe Blood on the Clock Tower, Werewolf games, kind of stuff like that. Risk. Yeah, risk. um, Where we're risking our friendship and nah, nah nobody <laughs> takes risk personally you're they're like i'm your buddy and then four turns later you stab him in the back you kill him at, not take their australia or whatever <laughs> true yeah uh so yeah I, I think it would just be a lot like simpler and you'd be a lot poorer but i'd probably be <laughs> <That's the same>. true. <laughs> uh, that is very true uh, if you could have a superpower aside from being incredibly good at card games, what would it be? Um, so I think I really like being at home and I really like the convenient access to everything that is um, in my house. I really like, like that's part of why I love the home calling is I get to be at my house. So I think, my f- and I really hate traveling, so I think my favorite superpower, the superpower I would choose, would be teleportation because being able to be wherever I wanted to be would mean I could like go places and then just be home when I wanted to be home. Which is like the worst part of going places is sometimes you just want to be home and don't want to be at the place you're at anymore, and you can't just be at home so. Okay teleportation so does your teleportation work in the way that you are like star trek teleportation where they deconstruct you and then reconstruct you or would it be wormhole teleportation like portals where you're just ripping open uh space and time because this matters a lot we're going to get into some deep philosophical questions based on this answer now you gotta have it thought about this but i think assuming that i could i think wormholes would be like the better answer because i should be able to take things with me through wormholes and it's less um assuming i can reclose the wormholes without any problems like that would i think that would be the best one just like open a wormhole climb through and then like if there was an object where i was trying to go i wouldn't like just like die or something i don't know i could like poke out the wormhole yeah wormhole okay that's my answer okay okay that's a good one because then we're, if you would have said like deconstruct, like you would get into like the issue of like, well, what happens if you reconstruct in the middle of a wall and the ship of Theseus philosophical argument where if you take something apart and completely rebuild it, is it still actually the same thing? Um, but yeah, I think wormholes are pretty uh, philosophically safe way to get around all those uh, potential conundrums. And then I could also bring people with me, right? If I, if I open wormholes. Yeah. So I, I think wormhole like it's a more technically defined answer to the, the question than teleportation. Yeah, yeah. Wormholes, lock it in. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> what about you? What would your superpower be? I know this was your question, but I'm curious. Uh, I've always wanted the ability to control time would be like my answer. Like, I don't know why, like uh, the movie, the Nickelodeon movie from the 90s, Clock Stoppers, where the guy just had like, a clock like a watch that he would like press a button and like 
time would like super slow down for everyone else. So, so by theory of relativity, he would be, uh, you know, able to go around and do whatever he wants. So like, or be able to like go backwards, like a little bit, I think like theory of relativity or like just like causality means like you couldn't like go before you were born because you would be the, like, if I went back in time 10 years ago, I would be like, it would still be like in my body. So I'd still have to be wherever I was 10 years ago in that age. Uh, but I would just have the memories from 10 years in the future. Uh, okay. And then I couldn't go forward like a thousand years because then I would just be like a big pile of bones in the ground. So I'd have to be like, I want like restrictions on like my ability to like time travel, but like this like realistic grounded like time travel, I think would be interesting. Yeah. I think going back and reliving some of the, best moments of your life would be pretty cool too for a while but it would get old right because like yeah. you, you don't you wouldn't want to like like there there is something special about like doing something for like the first time and every each time you do it like it's like diminishing returns but and for you you get to keep reliving the best moments of your life because there's always going to be callings going forward <laughs> in world championships so it's just like it'll be the exact same you winning it over and over and over again it's like it's almost like groundhog's day every time they have a flesh and blood event you go to right <laughs> your opponent will miss a tunic trigger in the finals and you'll get that insanely is. lucky with a draw and then you'll win yeah that does sound like a familiar storyline <laughs> So, do you actually have this ability, Michael? Now that I think about it, are you have you been hiding? <laughs> Reliving moments. <sighs> I didn't even realize he missed the tunic trigger until someone said it. There was one point in the game where I looked at his tunic and it was at like one or two counters, and I looked back later and it was one counter lower than I expected it to be. But I was just like, oh, I just like lost count. I didn't realize he missed the tunic trigger. Uh, well. After. Flesh and blood. Sick game. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Okay. So uh since we started doing the podcast, you've really taken on like the business building side of it. You set up the Patreon, you're talking about building merch and expanding our brand. You have a goal to get to one million subscribers in the next six months. <laughs> Could you kind of like share your feelings around how building a business has been and like what your experiences have been? Sure. Uh I wouldn't say it's like I would say it's similar to the process I was talking about earlier where like I want to be better tomorrow than I was today. And uh, so when we were first even like setting up the podcast, you were, I think you were like, we should also do like gameplay videos. And I was like, okay, we can do gameplay videos, but we have to like do them to be like the same quality. Like look up game nights, just go to YouTube and just type like G-A-M-E space N-I-K-N-I-G-H-T-S. Uh, N-I-K-N-I? <laughs> game nights. Uh, and just see, just like, you don't have to know anything about Magic the Gathering, but just like click to the middle of the video and then see how they do like the turn cycles and then they'll cut away and somebody will like have, they'll have like little interview segments and they'll be like, and then they played this and I knew I was in trouble and stuff like that. It was just like, it's just so well produced that like until I could get like a gameplay channel to be of that quality, I wouldn't want to do it because I feel like that's what makes card games like engaging and what would it would take to make like flesh and blood or like these really slow prodding games. Cause even when we do like live streams and stuff like that, when we're playing flesh and blood, I feel I, like, I feel bad 
because so much of it is like internal thinking and dialogue and processing. And when, especially when you're in the tank and stuff like that and mm -hmm. commentators have like a really hard job sometimes like failing in that space when somebody's just like in the tank for like two or three minutes and like, there's nothing happening in the game state and they can't, they don't want to like super speculate what's going on. because if they get it wrong, they might look bad. I don't know, but I guess I got way off topic, but I just want to make sure that whatever I'm doing, it's of like really good quality. And that's why like, I care so much about like our audio quality and I care so much about like our visuals and uh, I, I want like production and everything to be the best that I can get it to be. And so that end, I want to make sure that we're, you know, being rewarded for our efforts or that it's, it's also like subscribers, patrons, all this engagement that we get back whenever somebody says hey you know i really like your content just out of calling and they come up to us uh oh watch we, got oh, we forgot we forgot to thank him our number one fan seven foot what's his real name oh, i think it's james james uh let me check i, I dm'd I, it to you you did james yes it is james i thought it was james but i want to make sure because he at the start of the calling on saturday he just walked up and gave michael and i like he gave Michael pleb tier Skittles, but he gave me S tier peanut butter M&Ms <laughs> and waters. And we were hydrated and well sugared for the whole day, thanks to him. And, you know, it's stuff like that that like validates all the work that we put in. And like I said, but with card games, you know, if you're doing something better than you're doing today based on, you know, whether or not you're winning or losing. But when it comes to the podcast, I know if we're doing uh better today than we were before if we have more subscribers or we're getting more engagement or we're producing content that people really like value and like that's what the business side goes to because unless i have like ways to facilitate that then i can't really get that so the goal isn't to like make money necessarily because if we wanted to do that, I think there'd be easier cash grabby ways to kind of take advantage of it. And we've even had people, I think over the weekend say like, your guys is like $20 Patreon tier or like your Patreon tiers are like too low. Like Michael should be charging $5,000 a coaching session. Oh <laughs> <laughs> and we are just like, I don't know. Like we just want, so like if we think flesh and blood is the best game in the world and it's going to be around for a very, very long time, I would rather Michael and I be you know upstanding members of that community and be able to be engaged in a part of that than just quick getting in getting out and taking advantage of it in the short term i guess so yeah that makes a lot of sense though i will th i think i do disagree with something you said you said there are uh other ways that to make like like i guess there's there's a thing where they're just saying that like you won't make more money in card games than you could in like doing something else with your time, and I don't know if that's true for me. But <laughs> yeah, uh, we, as a wise man once said on a meme on Twitter, uh, we got, can't all be Michael Hamilton, Roger Bodie, Roger Bodie. <laughs> a wise man indeed. <laughs> the wiseness is dubious sometimes, but yeah. You've got, you've got some, you've got your moments. Yeah, we, we all have our up or downs. Uh, so it's my turn now. It's my turn, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, why do round pizzas come in square boxes, Michael? 
this is your question for me. We had a deep talk about like building the sick brand. And you're like, why do round pizzas come in square boxes? I don't know. Because I assume it's something to do with square boxes being reasonably easier to manufacture and like fold because you can have flattened square boxes and then you just fold them into a little thing. But if you have flattened circle boxes, how do you freaking fold a circle box? I don't know. I don't know. It's probably, it's, it's like, science can't do it. That's why they're in square boxes. That's okay. my answer. Final very, answer. Very pragmatic answer. Okay. I'll go to, I'll go to a deeper question then if you don't like my, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize that these had to all be like <laughs> the hardest <laughs> philosophical questions of all time. Here, here. How, how about, I'll hit you with a harder question. Okay. <laughs> it's my turn. What? I, I thought go my ahead. question was it's good fine. enough for It's you. fine. I did work as, I did work in pizza for a little while. I delivered pizzas to help pay for my house. So. That's true. Okay. I'm, I guess I could be an expert on pizza boxes. Okay. Since I mentioned it before, we're going to go over the ship of Theseus. So there was a famous warship what? from, from uh, where uh, it was. It won all the battles. It was an incredibly good warship, uh, but it was old timey. And they put it in a museum. And uh, over time, a little board of wood would start rotting and fall away. They're like, oh, no, we have to preserve this ship. And then they would take out that piece of wood and put in a new piece of wood. And over the course of time, they replaced every single aspect of the ship. They replaced its mast, the steering, uh, the bow, the stern, all that good stuff. And the question is, is that still the ship of Theseus at that point? Or is it a replica of the ship of Theseus? Um, <laughs> this is a tough question. I, in some way, it, it definitely is both in some ways because like the original ship of theseus sorry okay the original ship of theseus like no longer exists as it once was but like at what point is a line drawn where it's no longer the ship of theseus when you replace the first piece it's definitely still the ship of theseus right like the first little like so the second piece is it still the ship of theseus yes it is so if at any point you take one piece of the ship of Theseus and you remove it and you replace it with a new point, it's still the ship of Theseus. Then like that last piece, when you replace the last original piece, you have the whole ship of Theseus in front of you. You're replacing one piece again. It's the same as it was at the start. It's still the ship of Theseus. Okay. That's my answer. I think that's fine. There's no right or wrong answer. It's a philosophical question, but (laughs) that's fair. Okay. I think th- I think that's I think that's how I would answer that. I think that makes the most sense in the minute I had to think about the question. <laughs> okay. Well done. Well done grappling with life's greatest philosophical questions. I'm proud of you. Okay. So over the last like nine months, nine months since Austin was born, I've kind of seen you be a parent, be a dad, and you've really enjoyed that a lot. And I've seen that, but that's like a side of you that no one else really gets to see or not no one else, but the flesh and blood community doesn't really get to see. Would you want to share some of your experiences about being a dad? Yeah. I think the thing I keep saying the most is that like, I didn't expect to like love the baby as much as like the baby phase, especially like as much as I do. I thought like it'd be annoying with like changing diapers or like you'd hear him cry and be like, man, I want to play flesh and blood. Like why, why like this is annoying. Like, like I, I was expecting it to be more like pragmatic, but like, just something like triggers in you. Like once you have a kid and you're just like, I love this thing so much. It's ridiculous. And like, I can just like, I guess like, here's a good example. So recently he's been like uh, a little bit 
able to like focus on things and engage with concepts and like i want him to like if i if he's watching something i don't want him watching like just like mindless cartoons so like i'll put on like elmo and i'll be like learning his abcs or like just learning like sesame street stuff and i don't give a shit about like sesame street or elmo or whatever so i don't watch that but i will just watch him watch that and be endlessly entertained i'm just like he's engaged is he learning is this the right amount of engagement is it is and i just i'll just i'll just legitimately like for like as long as he's watching it i will just look at him and just be like this is awesome i can't believe he's engaged with something like this this is really cool and he's learning and i guess like that just translates to everything like just seeing like like you take a step and i'm just like yeah whatever and michael took a step <laughs> he takes a step and my mind's blown it's like oh my god he can stand up he can he can do that what that's crazy <laughs> dude and it's just like every little thing he does it's just like the coolest shit i see like any of the time and that's just how i would describe it it's just like i love that guy so much and i uh am so happy to have him and my wife and my family all like like i it's just it's just the best that's a good answer i like that story thank you uh so i guess if we're gonna go into this deep kind of questions like what do you value most in your marriage like what why do you love being with casey so much because that's an aspect that people don't get to see because most of the time shout you out at the end on, the, on the end of casts and uh people don't know that usually after you do well in a tournament like after worlds or something like that or even after a calling this weekend you're like hold on i want to talk to casey first so like when important stuff she happens would... you do usually talk to casey first and then me second so people people should know that about you at least actually she was uh napping when i won this one so i didn't call her afterwards i sent her a message i'm like are you still asleep i just won and then she responded like two hours later <laughs> but um i think what i there's a lot of things that i love about casey and our relationship but she's always like really supported me and whatever i want to try whatever i want to do when i was like hey um I think I'm going to take some time off to play card games. She's like, cool, you're, you're good. You can, you've got money saved to do it. When I was like, Hey, I'm kind of interested in learning programming. She was really supportive and she'd like ask me about how I was going and always check in. And if I'm ever like, yeah, I, I don't care anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Then she doesn't bug me about it. But if it's something that like I care about, she's like very good at being someone that kind of holds me accountable, I guess not in like uh did you do your thing this time? It's like, she just like legitimately wants to know how it's going. And I've never felt discouraged in anything I've pursued, even when it's just like some bad phone game that I spend way too much time on. She asked me about it, but <laughs> uh, like, I, I guess I also just feel like I can be myself around her. Like any version of myself is she loves and is very kind to and I think that she has done a lot to make me a better person and help me be the person that I enjoy being, I guess. Okay. That's a good answer. Yeah. I, I love Casey a lot. She's she's amazing. Yeah. So people can stop blaming me for the terror that is Michael Hamilton in Flesh and Blood because Casey also supports and helped you too. And without her, you also wouldn't be the champion. So it's not just me, people. I didn't. It's not all my fault. It's Casey's fault too. <laughs> <laughs> Blame Casey for me. 
<laughs> I don't know. That doesn't sound. That's probably that's probably not something that I should say. That's like not a good thing. But it's a good no, thing and a bad Casey's, thing, right? Casey's great. Mostly good. We'll we'll, we'll call it like ninety five percent good. It's only bad for the people who actually want to win it, flesh and blood. I would think that'd be most people that play with want to win. I I don't know. That's at least part of the draw to playing a competitive game, right? Is yeah, um, trying to win. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, I think I think we're we're. Do you have any last questions to wrap up this interview? Do you have anything left on your list that you want to get to? I, I got one last one, and okay. we don't have to talk about this one if you don't want to. I'm not sure, but Ooh, I'm ready. This was pretty early on in the podcast. We kind of were talking and we're like, do we want to keep doing this? How are we feeling about this? And it kind of was like, at that point, I think we were both kind of like not enjoying it as much as we hoped. It was more work than we expected. And we were like, is this worth it? Do you, we want to keep doing it? And I kind of thought that was going to be it. I thought that might be the point where we stopped. I think it was like around episode 10. We were like at a restaurant, maybe eight or nine. It was, it was very early on. We were at a restaurant after a tournament and we're like, do we, we have to record another episode. Do we want to do this? Mm-hmm. And um, I guess what motivated you to keep making the podcast at that point? Um, that's a good question. I don't remember that specific time, but I think it's just mostly just like, if I think we're capable of doing something really well and it would be sad for me if like giving up on that and not doing what I think we're capable of. And, you know, you'll even see like, I guess Michael, people don't see this, but Michael knows this where like, I'll even like pester him about small things. And I'm like, well, you should be doing X or like, like, did you ever think about, you know, not wearing holes within your shirts to Yoshi shirts, Yoshi shirts to events and stuff like that. And that's why he always wears the same hoodie. But you bought me that hoodie. That I don't know if everyone knows that. Yeah, but what kept you motivated? You're 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 uh, way less motivated intrinsically by those kinds of things than me. So yeah. So at, at the time for me, I, I I think if if you were like let's stop, I I don't think I would have. Fought. I, I think I would have been like okay, we're 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 done. No, it was a good run, and I was like, I think a little bit disappointed at like how the engagement like it starts really slow where like not a lot of people say anything. You don't get very many comments and like you get a lot less views than we do now. And like those early stages are like, honestly, like really hard. I feel like, cause you don't see, you don't see what, or at least I didn't really see what we were building. I didn't really envision even getting to where we are now, where we have a thousand, a thousand subscribers, a hundred patrons and just like, a lot of people at tournaments coming up to say nice things about the podcast, about that kind of stuff. I, I didn't like envision that at all back then. I'm just like, man, this is a lot of work and it doesn't feel very rewarding. And I think I was just like, well, I guess I'll go a little bit longer. And then I did that for a little while and then it started building. It started growing. You started winning things more. And then once it started growing, then it felt like it was like a snowball. Like the more, like as we made more podcasts, more nice things were said. And I like wanted to keep doing it because we were getting so much nice feedback and our, our metrics were growing. I, I think it's like more the feedback that like 
getting more feedback like helped more than metrics but like seeing the metrics to go along with the feedback also was pretty encouraging that's fair i guess like i didn't have i didn't have any expectations like like i didn't care about the engagement or anything like that at the beginning because i was even to this day i still viewed like i i'll just say like it's i'm playing the long game with it like it's it whatever is happening now is like a stepping stone or the like it's just like not where I want to be like in a year, but like if we were still. <laughs> I'm so glad that this disruption is on your side and not my side for once. I feel like it's always me that has a disruption and now here Rivali just going crazy in the background. Yeah, normally I kick them out, but I was like, it's fine. They'll they'll behave themselves. You know, I, <laughs> I, I did. I just didn't for today's episode. And okay. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this. It was a pleasure getting to know you, Michael. You know, I, I valued it. Uh, it's always nice, you know, learning more about my best friend, even if some of these these things I already knew. But oh well. I I tried to ask some questions that I didn't know the answers to because I I know like we've kind of talked about like trying to make the podcast mostly a conversation about each other. I gave you like the plug for the baby thing that I knew about like parenting and Austin that you loved that, but I still got to hear a cool story I hadn't heard before. So that was cool. Yeah. That's a recent one. I added that in for you, but yeah, like that's how I get like the most engagement out of you. Right. Like when I just get you to forget that we're recording a podcast and you're just talking to your friend Roger. And like, that's also when like, I feel the most engaged with the cast when I'm just like, I'm just trolling Michael like I would any other day of my life. So <laughs> good times. Good Sometimes. times for all. <laughs> <laughs> okay any other final thoughts before we wrap things up then michael no i think i'm ready to to call it okay well thanks for a thousand subscribers actually oh yeah and don't forget to do the thing to win sleeves yeah fill out the form <laughs> if you're not subscribed you could be help us get to a million subscribers where it's a, a audacious goal but you know with your help we could get there uh click the yeah. bell comment follow us on social medias um uh, join our discord um they follow us on twitter um check out our manor university video on patreon yeah monday i think monday is our youtube one yeah monday it'll be a youtube one so check that out next week and um continue to be an awesome person so i think those are the eight things i want to remind everybody to do Misty yeah. wants to say hi to you before we end the episode. Oh, it's only fair now. It's only fair. But the next time you're talking to your best friend, always remember, mind your manners. Thanks for watching. <laughs>